are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Romero. He's working out of Southern California now, uh, part of a movement that is sharing the gospel among high school students across the United States. It is a day for new movements. And I think Edmonton and Canada is seeing new movements. Do you see them? I see it. And I see resurgence as being something that will spawn movements of movements towards Jesus, because this is the time, this is the day, and you're all in, I can see. There's nowhere I'd rather be than here this weekend, because I have seen movements been launched, because God has put it on people's lives, and I've seen things that I would not have believed had I not seen them. And so we'll tell a few stories this week. But John John did grow up fatherless. And I think we have a fatherless generation. Even when we had dads, like my dad and my wife's dad, we're good men, but when I got married, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, do I have what it takes? And when my wife got pregnant in Germany about four, in 1980, I remember panicking and thinking, oh, no, put a hold on this, Judy. I need a seminar. I need healing. I don't know what I need, but God help me. But the amazing thing is that he is the father of the fatherless. And I see a generation that has felt abandoned has had fathers that were absent, fathers who were working hard, fathers who didn't know how to share affection appropriately. But I see a generation being healed and becoming a generation of mothers and fathers, young mothers and fathers who have received the fathering of the father and because they're being filled up, they are reaching out and they are raising up others, which is really exciting to me. So I wanted to show that little video clip just to encourage you. There is a new thing happening in the earth today. We've been in Europe the last three months, my wife and I. I know you probably are confused. We live in Hawaii. Why would you go to Europe in the winter? I, I know that's kind of strange. But we've had a, a, a growing desire to see God do something fresh in the old continent, the only continent where the actual number of believers is actually has been tanking, but that is turning around. Uh, we're sitting in a kitchen outside London, and there was, there was a Dutch lady having breakfast, and we were chatting, and she said, Jim, I... I just wish God was doing something more in Europe. I'm so discouraged. And I looked at her and I thought, oh, no, this lady's pressed my button. And I just said a few things what I'd been experiencing recently. I said, well, a few weeks ago I was up in Riga, Latvia, and there was an arena that was full of thousands of people, and Europeans were running forward to get saved, not just walking, but running 
and uh, I was blown away in, in Latvia seeing that happen. Uh, words of knowledge being called out, people coming to Jesus, worship going on in ways like probably hadn't happened in many years in that city. It's a new day in Europe. Uh, and then I, I asked her if she knew about the Holy Spirit nights, and she said, no. What's that? And I said, okay, well, I have a friend. He's a worship leader, Jeremy Riddle, and he was just told me that he was going to be traveling for two weeks, and here's this, was where he started Kiev, 27th of August, or uh, September. They started with about 2,000 youth in an arena worshiping Jesus, getting saved, delivered. It was crazy for two nights in Kiev, and then they moved on to Stuttgart, Rotterdam, Netherlands, Brussels, Hamburg, filled up a place in Paris, they went over to Switzerland, and they finished off in Portugal for two nights with thousands of young people encountering Jesus. It's a new day. And this lady was like, really? I didn't know about all that. And I thought, no, you didn't. But you know what's amazing to me? Some of those very places where there is revival breaking out right now are the same places that some of my missionary friends will say, this is the graveyard of missionaries. I have heard that in nation after nation after nation. And my question is, is it the graveyard? Or is it a valley of dry bones that is coming to life? And can God bring life out of what you see as nothing? Yes, he is that God. So we cannot not have revival. It is that day, and he is doing it, and you can be a part of it, or you can sit back, or you can criticize, but I've made up my mind. I'm all in. A few years ago, I was in the stadium in Nuremberg, Germany, and I thought, why am I here? I'm not on the program. It's hot. We're standing for hours, and the first night, they were worshiping, and it went on, and I kept waiting for the program to start, and then the leaders came out, and Todd White and Ben Fitzgerald, a kind of American hippie with dreadlocks and a, a, a punk that got saved from Australia. And after about three hours, they were just worshiping and worshiping. And I realized there's no preaching. It's a new day. And I thought, why am I here? I know you're feeling awkward because I'm on my knees. I just get used to being awkward. <laughs> I think it's part of things. And I thought, I'm here because I have prayed for this continent. I have spent years investing, and I want to add my hunger to the hunger of those in the room, in the arena. There were probably ten or 15,000 there. Because God responds to hunger individually, but he also responds to corporate hunger. And I saw humility. When you see a bunch of German pastors who used to be in, like to be in charge, I don't know if there's any pastors here. I am one. so. <laughs> and I saw them sitting in a section submitting to the spiritual gifts of crazy worship leaders like Jake Hamilton uh, and others and to crazy evangelists from other countries saying, we want God to do something fresh. We're going to sit and believe it was a new day. 
And uh, we, we were a part of that. So I've ended up getting involved because why wouldn't we want to see Jesus come in new ways in that continent? And when people say it's the post-Christian continent, I'm thinking, well, it's the pre-Christian continent. Revival's coming. A friend of mine in the Netherlands a couple weeks ago said, Jim, do you remember the Balmermeer area, big housing development out that the city planners had built about 50 years ago? I said, yeah, I've been out there. They said when they designed that, they decided there would be shopping centers and schools and daycare, but no churches because the church is on its way out. But they said, you know what we've discovered in the Balmermeer housing area? There are now 150 fellowships in that area, and most of them are among immigrants have been coming in. It's a new day in Europe. There's so much I'd just like to tell you a few things. Um, I got invited to a, a leaders group called ESBS. Stands for Europe Shall Be Saved. And I didn't want to go to another event, but I, I knew I was supposed to go. So I showed up, and here's about 200 leaders from nations across Europe. And it was Salvation Army and Evangelical Alliance and <coughs> Lutherans, and there was a Catholic bishop, and there were just people gathered. And the crazy thing is, a Swiss man is the driver behind this. His name is John Luke. He was very closed brethren brought up, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's now an evangelist with faith. And he, the, the, the thing that they're believing for is to see 100 million Europeans be saved. That's what they want. And the passion was contagious. And it was, we were praying for nation after nation. We were worshiping, and we were beginning to believe God would like to see 100 million Europeans get saved. And I was so encouraged. There was a Catholic man, uh, Johannes Hertel. He's a theologian who has started a house of prayer in Augsburg. I've been to that house of prayer. I remember years ago, there was no such thing as a house of prayer. But his recent conference in Augsburg drew 12,000 people at the convention center, hungry to see new presence of God in prayer and worship in Europe. So I was telling this lady, I think God is up to some things. And I don't know why she didn't know what was going on, but I just couldn't help but tell her it's a new day in Europe. God is raising up new people, and he's blessing old people and all kinds of people. Old movements, new movements, but there is a sense of God is wanting to visit and here's what I, I see happening. There is hunger for something fresh, and hunger means humility, and God loves the humble. And he's coming close, and he's coming fresh, and I see that so much, and I believe that is happening in your nation. I believe this gathering is a gathering of hungry people, or you wouldn't be here. And I believe God has raised up resurgence to launch movements and to encourage other movements because I've seen it around the world and I believe it's time for something out of Canada to bless the north, south, east, and west, to bless
other parts of the world in a fresh way. It's time, and we're here, and we're believing God will do some new things. I'm convinced of it. We've worked with YWAM for 45 years. I grew up in Minnesota. It's, they talk funny out there. They, if you go to Winnipeg and turn right, you'll, you'll get there. <clears throat> the state bird is the mosquito. Our town had 500. They were Lutherans, Swedish and Norwegian. Small place. But my parents loved God, and they prayed for us, and they would have missionaries in our home. And for Christmas presents, they would give us missionary biographies. And when I was going to Bible school, my mom said, this summer, why don't you go back to the Bible school, and instead of working in my dad's store, which I would normally do in this town of 500, it was the only store, of course, uh, why don't you see if there's something you could do in another country? Because we would love to see you serve God as a missionary. And I went to the Bible school, and they said, yeah, there's a group called Youth with a Mission I'd never heard of, and they're doing something this summer. Why don't you sign up and go with them? So I did. And thus began the weirdest part of my life, but it's turned into the best. Together, I don't know how that happens. And I ended up joining this group that I didn't know much about. And I remember there were a thousand young people, many hippies. This was the Jesus movement days. I, you've read about it. There's still some around out there. <clears throat> and there were young people playing funky music from that day. This was 1972. And there were a few old people in the midst. There was an kind of funny, not very stylish lady called Corrie Ten Boom. And she got up, yeah, you've heard of Corrie, with her hair up in a bun and her accent. And I don't know what she said. I know she talked about forgiveness and blah, blah, blah. But I remember thinking, God must think we're important because he's sending some of these well-known people to invest in us. That's what I walked away with. Well, I ended up doing a training school there in Germany and uh, met my wife in this Bavarian castle. Uh, it was weird because I decided I'm going to be single for God. Um, I don't want to get distracted, and she's distracting, and she's too good looking, and I'm going to avoid her. And I started stuttering. First time in my life. And I went up to the office where she was a secretary once, and I just... I needed to, some papers, and I, I turned, and I, I walked into the filing cabinet, and she looked down, so I went for counseling. <laughs> and uh, this guy said, share with her, talk to her. And I said, no, I don't want to. I, this is weird. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, girls, ladies that are married or not attractive, I have no problem with, but about my age, attractive girls. He said, is Judy one of them? And I said, yeah, she was the only one. So I, after about two months of ignoring her, I asked her if she'd go to the airport to drop off a visiting teacher in Munich. So it was about an hour drive, and she said yes, and she was sitting 
beside me and the old guy was in the back, the, the, pre, the teacher. And he, he says to me, and we've never, Judy and I have never talked, but you can kind of tell maybe you like one another, but we weren't sure. And he said, well, what's your interest in this young lady? And it's like, nothing. And he said, he put a $20 bill in my pocket and said, take her out to dinner. So we ditched him at the airport. And we found an English, uh, in the English garden section, an Argentine steakhouse. And we, for the first time, connected and spent about five hours. And I had no more stuttering problems. And eventually we got married. And uh, she's been all in. Except in one thing. I, I told her once after we'd been working in Europe about 25 years, uh, I, I think God wants us to go home to our home church that ordained us in Minnesota and spend some time there. And she said, that'll be with your next wife. <laughs> okay, rural Minnesota is a little interesting. And she was born in Orange County, California, and it was culture shock. And so we've never lived in Minnesota. But it's where I grew up, and I'm so grateful that Judy is who she is. After about um, 15 years of being married, I tried to promote her to do some public ministry, and she didn't want that. And it's like, okay, I, I guess she won't do that. But she's amazing. She's smart, brilliant. And she began praying, and I didn't know this till later, but uh, she had teaching in her heart. She'd be taking notes during a, a message, but she'd be writing her own notes. And the woman of God came to her one day and said, Judy, at the judgment day, God is not going to say, who were you married to? He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? It rattled her. So she came to me and she said, Jim, would you be insecure and threatened if I do public something public in ministry? And I said, no, I've been trying to get you to do it. Oh, yeah, you'll be insecure and threatened. No, but I'm pissed right now. Uh, I don't know. Excuse me. I should have said that word. Sorry. Uh, uh. And she said to God, if you open doors, I will go. And she began to get invitations. And now she rocks things around the world. She speaks at events. She, people say, oh, your wife is so amazing. I could listen to her all day. And it's like, yeah, she is. And so uh, I'm just grateful that Judy has been with me wherever we've gone. And as we've been moving back to Europe, uh, I don't know, ladies, if you would like to live out of a suitcase with 20 kilos for four months. Who said that? Yeah, she's doing it. I see that hand. Okay. But she's all in. Wherever we are, she seeks God. She gives the word of the Lord. She cares for people. And I just cannot believe that God linked us like he did. That's, a, that's another story. But after eight years in Germany, learning the ways of God, and uh, it, it was such an amazing time. Our first daughter was born there. We went on this ship. First YWAM ship. God had said he wanted us to have a ship, and we didn't know how to run a ship, didn't have any money. But either you have a budget-sized vision or you have a vision-sized budget. And we needed so much money. And I remember we finally 
got enough crew together and we were ready to launch this thing, but we needed about $300,000 to fill up with oil so we could get the thing launched and begin the ministry. And I remember while we were in Athens, Greece, waiting for this to happen, praying, fasting, and ministering to people, uh, there was a man named Keith Green. Have you heard of Keith? Some old-timers here. Yeah. And uh, he and his wife, Melody, had went on around the world trip. So we, Judy and I picked him up at the airport, and we brought him to the ministry. And he came onto the ship, and he gave a concert on that grand piano in the forward lounge. And it was historic. I'm not a prophet. And he would sing and preach, and it was amazing. But on that trip, God touched his heart in other nations as well for world missions. And uh, I'll come back to Keith in a minute, but we just had those few days with him, and he was, he, he was popular. He would sell his music. If you didn't have money, he'd send it to you free. I think it was cassettes in those days. You don't know what those are, but you can Google it that, that we used to have. But, but he had a following. So as we're praying, a friend from Texas, you got to watch those. I hope no one here is from Texas. But... Uh, he was a missions leader. He said, I've, I've got a gentleman who has an oil company, and he'd like to come, and I think he wants to help you. So I remember we got our community together, and this Texas oil man shared his testimony, how he met Jesus. We were weeping. I was, it was so touching. And then he said, I have a Maranatha oil company, is the name of it, and I have a check, and I, it was about $300,000, and I want to fill up your ship so you can get this thing kicked off. And it's like, oh, there is a God. And we rejoiced and we thank God. And, and um, they, you know, you have to put the check on the bank and it has to wait till it clears so that it's good, right? And Citibank in New York said, yep, the ch check is good. And so the barge came and pumped all night and we were filled up with gas. And this vision that we had prayed for and believed for and given for was launched. And as we began to sail, we heard the news the check had bounced. We couldn't even tell that for a while. And the guy was a con artist, and he ended up going to prison. But And the bank wanted the, the oil back, and that's kind of hard to do. So they were persuaded... <laughs> they made it a, a charitable contribution. I'm sure someone lost their job. But God began to launch that ministry. And we served on that ship for four years. It was amazing what the things we saw God do through that ministry. And later it became an independent ministry. And Mercy Ships is such an amazing ministry around the world. But God said then to YWAM, I want you to have more ships. So I think we have about 27 ships now of all sizes, working in Micronesia. There's islands. The only way you can get to them is with a, a sailing vessel. And there's, it's, it's just something that God has said, I want you to have ships. So we have a lot of ships from sailing vessels to riverboats to large ones. And I, I just remember seeing that. But going back to Keith Green, as we were sailing the maiden voyage to California, we got the news that he, at 28 years of age, he'd had a plane crash in Texas. And with two of his children, he died. 
what a shock. He was one of the leaders in the Jesus movement. But what was very interesting, we got to, uh, we sailed and arrived in Los Angeles, and Melody was there, and they played Keith Green's song, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the Spirit of God fell on the congregation. I just remember people broke out weeping, and we were worshiping Jesus because he was faithful. And then Melody found a videotape that someone had made, she didn't know about, of one of Keith's last preaching times at some big festival where he was playing his songs and then he gave a challenge to missions and then he would he introduced actually Lauren Cunningham at that festival and so she said why don't we do some memorial concerts people would come out and we could recruit for missions so I remember they started in the Tacoma Seattle area there was a dome some kind of arena and it was packed to overflowing, actually. And they played the memorial video, and the crowd sang. They loved Keith's songs as he was there. Melody was there. And, and, and then when the video showed Keith turning to introduce Lauren, Lauren actually walked out from behind the curtain in the flesh, and there he was, and gave a challenge for missions. And we saw probably 100,000 people go into missionary service, some through OM, many through YWAM. We had opportunities for them. That was a movement that launched something out of weakness, out of not having much, but following God. And for years, there were people coming. I got a call by God to serve him through Keith Green's memorial concert. And you can find people in Central Asia and Africa and all over the world who will, will say, I was at a Keith Green Memorial concert and the Holy Spirit dropped. So what I'm saying is God wants to launch movements as we in humility follow the ways of God. And we've seen it in our short lives again and again. Another thing, when we moved to Greece, we actually lived in the nation of Greece for nine years, which was such a great place, great food, challenge. We started working in Turkey, and we decided to send teams to all 72 provinces to believe that God would raise up a church, and we passed out literature, and we started to see something fresh happen in that nation, and then communism fell, 1989, 1990, and suddenly Bulgaria was free. Uh, Georgian Banov came and did a concert. Some of you know Georgian. He's from Bulgaria, and Albania was wide open. And I remember getting a text. No, it was a fax. It was after telex, before, yeah, a fax from a Dutch friend who said, brothers and sisters, we've been given permission by this atheistic government, former atheist government of Albania to come and do a stadium event for five days. Would you help? And I remember coming to this nation that had been so closed, the first official atheist nation on earth with no believers left, as far as they could figure, being welcomed and arriving. And we were going to sleep in this school for the blind, and there were rats crawling around. And Brother Andrew was there and said, I I think we can find a room in the one hotel in the town. And so thankfully, we 
we, we went to the hotel. But I remember five nights, we started with some worship, and then they're going to share the message. And they said, wait, the national television aren't here yet. Okay, well, we waited, and they came and set up. And I remember on the Saturday was the first baptism in probably 40 or 50 years. 43 mainly teenagers had gotten saved and got baptized. And we began to work to launch movements there. But that region of the Balkans was known for division, ethnic cleansing, in a terrible way. I mean, you had Greeks and Turks who'd been at odds for generations. You had Serbs and Albanians. You had Croats, Hungarians. You had uh, uh, gypsies, a lot of gypsies. And they were... at. Uh, at the kind of on the bottom, and you had all this division. And we, as we were praying, we thought, let's call young people together in the summertime. Let's put down a cross. Let's worship Jesus, and let's reclaim a new future for this region. It's a new day. And a farmer in Bulgaria said, well, you can use my field. So we did. And hundreds of young people came, and we worshiped Jesus, and the Spirit of God fell. And, and these groups that had been hating each other for Hundreds of years were coming, and I remember washing the feet. They were washing the feet of the others, saying, it's a new day. And they were repenting on behalf of the, the past and praying that Jesus would visit the place. And I thought, oh, my goodness. About 25 years later, that event has still been going on. It's the Sozo International Arts and Music Festival. Thousands of young people have come and encountered Jesus over the years. And I just remember praying and seeing that something like that launched. It, this is a day to launch new things. People are ready to encounter Jesus. If you invite them, they will come, and then you will pray and say, God, you better show up, and he loves to show up. He wants to show up here in fresh ways this weekend. I'm believing for something personal for me this weekend, but I'm believing there are movements that are going to be launched. When I... Think of resurgence. I don't just see this retreat and your other events you have around the nation. In my mind, I see hundreds of thousands from the north of Canada to the fr francophone areas. I see new movements. I see missions movements going out. We have some young friends in America. John John is a part of that. They are believing for a new missions movement of 200,000 uh, people to be sent out from North America. 200,000 new missionaries. And we're beginning to see it happen. A fatherless generation being fathered by God and turning around and being able to bless. That is a miracle. But it's the kind of miracle God wants to do. He's such a good father. Last little story, and then we'll, we'll call it a night because I know some of you have traveled a long time and it's late and there's pizza coming, I heard. Um, I met a young man at our base about 12 years ago. His name was Sunno. He was a gangster thug. He arrived drunk. His parents had filled out an application. He didn't even know what he was coming to, but... He'd been selling weed up and down the East Coast to Kanye West, and he'd made a lot of money. And he'd 
he lived kind of a rough life. And six weeks into his discipleship training school, he got saved. I mean really saved. Three days in a row, he saw a guy's tattoo, and there was a verse, and he got an email from someone with the same verse, and he really got saved. But he was rough, really rough. And I felt a tug from the Holy Spirit that I should invest in that young man because I could see, I just thought this is a, an amazing leader of people. And so I began to walk with Seno, and eventually he led an outreach team, and they saw a lot of people healed. And, and he uh, asked me one night, Jim, what are you doing Friday night? I'm doing a worship time at the Flags there in our campus in Kona. Do you want to come? And I'm thinking, no, I want to be home with my wife, but I'm coming. And so Sano gets his guitar. He's not very good. And he plays some songs, and he gets people praying. About 40 people showed up. He was gathering people. No one told him to do this. He just had a heart for God. And I saw something in this man. And so I became a friend and mentor to him. And eventually he got married and asked if I would officiate at his wedding. It was, it was a tearful, amazing wedding. He married a Korean girl, and his Korean-American family came. And I was so proud of Seno. And God took him on a journey. And um, he's returned to our campus last year. He was kicked out of India. He was doing some stadium crusades there, and the police blacklisted him, and he's on the plane leaving India saying, God, what do you want to say to me? And he got this verse somewhere about when the enemy comes up against you one way, you'll go back seven or something like that. And, and he looks at the map, and there's seven nations that border India. He can't go back to India, and he said, God, I asked you for those nations. And uh, within a week, he got four invitations from four of those very nations. So he's made a, 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 got a team of young evangelists and others, and he's been uh, going into Myanmar, the, Burma. And uh, he's met a young leader who was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who is, whose dad is a pastor, and this guy is Burmese, and he said, let's... Let's do some things together. So last year they went and did a stadium event and saw a lot of people get saved and delivered. And this November they've just come back with about 70 young leaders from our base and others from around the world. And they're believing to pass out 5 million Bibles. They're believing to see 2% of the nation get saved. And they did three three-day events in three stadiums. Next November they're going to do seven different cities they're wanting to see the government impacted. They're wanting to see business revolutionized. They're, they're wanting to work in the, in, in the educational sphere, and they're believing this nation is going to be changed. And when I look at him, I think, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Sano. And thank you that you, you let me give him confidence and walk with him. And, and I, I see what he's doing, and I have such a joy as an older man who's been called to be a father to, to people like that. So what I want to say is there are new movements arising. There is faith to, in a young generation that don't know that they can't do it. And I love working with young people. And I, I love seeing them say yes to Jesus. And I love to see the boldness. And I love seeing a new wave of evangelists. I think 
how can I say this? It takes an apostolic or a fatherly figure to release evangelists, right? And I just think for many years they've been misunderstood. I mean, what do you do with them on a church staff? How do you, you know, what do you do with that? What do you do with the prophetic? But I think it's a day when the the ministry gifts are coming together and fathers and mothers are saying, let's go forward. And they're being able to release different gifts. And I see that happening around the world. I see that happening in Canada. And I think it's time for movements among the First Nations and your nation. We're seeing that around the world. And uh, I, I just think that there is something God is ready to do in Canada. Why not resurgence? lead out into a movement that begins to move, that can increase, that can, can launch people, that can spin off movements, spin them in. It's not about creating a big structure with some guy ruling at the top being famous. That's not Travis Hart. You know that. His heart is to release the leadership in the body of Christ and to see something happen in the churches, in the nation, and to the ends of the earth. And I think it is time. I think we're going to see it. And I want to say to the older folks and the middle-aged folks, there's a few of you here, it's all generations together. It's the hearts of the fathers being turned and the hearts of the sons and the daughters being turned. And God commands a blessing. That is a big deal to God, and you know that. But I just want to speak out. There is a new movement happening through resurgence. You see a small thing. You see what it is. But I believe God sees multiplication. He sees events that are, will come out of dreaming. He sees people in the professions rising up. He sees people sharing Christ. He sees new movements that bless old movements. And I, I just think we're in for a new day. So I just want to declare that. So uh, thank you for having me. I'm so blessed to know Travis and to meet some of the other team. I just think we could worship all night. I, I would be down with that. I, I literally injured my Achilles tendon or whatever it is dancing in England a few months ago and it took, I thought I was doing it, I was on to God and it just, it got worse and it got swollen and I, I, I thought God would give me a pass but he didn't. So I but I, I still uh, I, I think it's a day to worship. It's a day to see God arise. And I want to be a part of it. And I wouldn't want to miss it for anything because it's coming and we get to participate. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.